finding commonality, that's a super important word, with individuals is how relationships are built. I want to learn during a interview how they establish some type of commonality. I love in an interview when somebody starts asking me questions about me. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do for fun and all those things? And then they repeat the question back to me and go, well, I don't know, Dr. Cerno, what do you do? You know, like, what do you like to do for fun? I'm like, now this is dynamic. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help professionals navigate the emotional and promotional sides of the job search in order to stress less and earn more in their careers. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Dr. A.J. Acerno to the podcast. Dr. Acerno is the CEO of Decision One Dental Partner. He's a TEDx speaker, COO of the Midwest Division of Smile Brands, and is committed to putting the soul back into healthcare. Today, we talk about the red flags that hiring teams are looking for when talking to job seekers, what employees forget when it comes to creating win-win scenarios for their employers, and how to escape the me bubble that prevents you from getting a job. If you like this show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, and be sure to connect with Dr. AJ in the links below. That's it for the intro today, so without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Acerno. Today's Career Therapy podcast is sponsored by Career Therapy. Go figure. Our Unstuck coaching program provides you with the month-by-month support that you need to successfully navigate your job search. Each month, you will receive two 30-minute one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited Slack and email chats between calls, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions with other seekers, and access to our eight-part curriculum. With our flexible month-by-month schedule, you also have the ability to cancel at any time with no long-term commitments. If you or someone you know could use a helping hand in your search, head over to careertherapy.com and click the button on the homepage to reserve a free 15-minute consultation with me to see if coaching is right for you. Wishing you all the best. Thank you for tuning in. Now back to the show. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today. I think that there's going to be so much we can learn from your perspective and your background. Um, Today's topic, I really want to dig into the hiring side of things, you know, you, we, we talked prior to the call about bringing on good people. And when a job seeker hears that, <laughs> I know that their first reaction is, well, what does that mean? Right? I'm a good person. How, how come I'm not getting hired? Right? And so uh, I'd love to just get a sense of like, you know, going all the way back, what was your first experience on the hiring side of things? How, you know, where were you? How, how, what, what point in your career were you at? And what was the experience like for you? It goes way back. I got, I got a, a crazy story. So um, I was in a, an office. I was hired for an office and I was oh, two months out of school. And two months out of school, we found out that the person that was working with me, um, a dentist, was uh, being arrested by the DEA for selling narcotics and, and, and so on and so forth. So I'm like a, I'm like a two month into the job dentist with a dentist that's been in the business for 30 something years. Um, he gets nailed uh, for selling narcotics, but you know, most of the team was 
uh, in on it. So we basically had to fire an entire team. So I literally went from like, I have everybody around me to having two people around me and having to hire for nine spots. Right. So two months in, um, that's crazy. That was my, that was, so that was my initial, uh, baptism by fire with, with literally. And, um, so I learned a lot then because, you know, your people come in and I learned uh, the biggest thing I learned at that point in time was I was desperate, right? I was like, I have to hire people. I, I can't even open up the doors to this practice because I need people in here. And so I learned real quick being desperate is never good. Okay. And, um, because I just started to take anybody with a heartbeat, you know, and that's really kind of what my, uh, what the model was. Oh my gosh, you, you know how to do this. And you said, you know how to do this. So good. You're hired, you know? Um, and as time goes, I always go back to those initial moments of my career when I, when I had a hire in desperation to be able to say, don't ever put yourself in that position again, you know, number one. Uh, number two is making sure that your values and what you think runs a great dental practice, that those people have those values. Now, it's interesting in saying that in a time like today when, when the workforce is uh, completely depleted, you know, and, and you're trying to find people that fit that category for you, but you're in desperation. Remember, never be in desperation. Well, we're in desperation, everybody in the workforce. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's, this is probably the hardest time I've ever had with, uh, in, in, in the hiring world. That is an incredible story. I'm like still reeling from it. Um, so you mentioned that like, you were just taking anyone with a heartbeat. Um, what, so it, it is interesting how like, you know, you're in that desperation mode, you're bringing anyone on and you're also trying to find a value fit because, you know, clearly you don't want to hire more people that will sell narcotics, right? So uh, what, what do you, what sort of shows you people's value system? Do they say it to you? Do you kind of infer it as a combination of both? How do you figure that out? Yeah. So we learned really quick, some certain questions to ask, right? Um, how do they form relationships? Um, I, I want to know about their personal life. You know, um, being a dentist, we're very, it's a very intimate relationship with your patient, right? Your, your, your hands are in their mouth and, you know, establishing trust and getting to know somebody. So I want to know how somebody connects with other people. And usually that tells you how good of a person or, 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 or how they're going to be in their job, because I'm hiring for people that connect with others and can work well with others. Okay. I'm not hiring for a cubicle position that doesn't have to deal with other people. So um, when we're looking at that, I want to ask poignant questions like, Hey, tell me what you do for fun. Um, do you go out with your friends and this and that, you know, people that are kind of homebodies and no, I don't really go out. I don't really like friends, you know, or uh, you know, th th they'll give you hints. And you go, hmm, this is probably not the person for you, right? Um, so you want to ask questions that relate to that. And then secondly, how do you form relationships, right? What, what do you do? Like if you were out and you had a speed, uh, speed date a friend for 30, for 30 uh, minutes, like what would you do? If you had to speed date somebody for five minutes, what questions would you ask? So um, these are all questions that we really jump into to find out, can they deal with the personality that we're looking for? Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like the fact that you broke it down as like, in your practice, bedside manner is incredibly important, right? Um, but there's, 
there's also roles where people are just at a cubicle. And sometimes what I see is that people think, well, I just want to be a coder. I just want to be at a cubicle. So I, my whole job, I wish my job were to just sit there and not be bothered, just do my work and not be bothered. And I tend to find that there's sort of an, maybe a, a, a naivete to that, where people are thinking that you can actually have a job where you don't deal with people. Like, sure, there's customer service and there's bedside manner jobs and there's things like that, or sales that are much more um, interpersonal. But even if you're the person behind the desk, you have to, you know, connect with your teammates, your boss, you have to manage up, you have to do a whole lot of other social skill pieces. So do you think that there is like a significant difference? Or do you think that there, that sort of sociability, that sort of, you know, how do you form relationships piece is kind of across the board as well? Oh, yeah, it depends on the company that you're trying to build, but in the company and the culture that we're trying to do, yes. I mean, and, and really, I, I, I would argue every company should have this type of culture where they care that um, interactions between team members are, are appropriate and good and, and fun. Um, I'm not saying that happens all the time. It is difficult because you have different personalities, but um, understanding that finding commonality, that's a super important word with individuals is how relationships are built, right? So um, I want to learn during a interview how they establish some type of commonality with them. You know, um, I could tell you the immediate, uh, I love in an interview when somebody starts asking me questions about me, right? Like, so, you know, Kim, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do for fun and all those things? And then they repeat the question back to me and go, well, I don't know, Dr. Cerno, what do you do? You know, like, what do you like to do for fun? And I'm like, now this is dynamic, right? Like it's a, you can teach skill. You can't teach personality. Very different, you know? Um, and so uh, uh, it, when I'm looking to hire, I always tell everybody like, there's this, there's this, uh, it's like this this long level here, right? And you've got this swinging pendulum, okay? And over here is you're really great at your skill of your job, and over here you're a really great team member. Like somebody that's like right in the middle is perfect, but that usually doesn't happen. I always tell everybody, err on the pendulum swinging to a good team member, okay? That means they know how to establish relationships, their, um, their empathy, uh, they listen, uh, they ask questions. Uh, they know how to find relationship, like all those things, like pendulum switch here. Really great at your job, terrible team member. Brutal, brutal. Like probably probably a uh, one of the biggest cancers in any organization. And so when organizations are going and they're interviewing, I love to hear when they're like, okay, so tell me, I want, I want like the best schools and I want like MBA and I want all these letters after their name. And those are the people that I'm going to shoot for. I'm like, man, you are missing out on the people that are going to change the way your company is done, man. Um, and that's just how we do it. I love that. There's some seriously key words that you're saying here, like dynamic relationships, commonality. Um, and I like that you broke that broke it down into that pendulum into um, imagery, right? Because that is how job seekers tend to function because the internet is so binary. You either hate something or you love something. There is no in between online, right? So a company, when they put up their job description, it says, 
you know, we need three years experience for an entry level role. We need, you know, this, 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 all these different technologies, all these different skills. And someone will look at that and they'll be paralyzed by it because they'll be like, well, I have 60% of that, or I have 50% of that. And what you're saying is like, sometimes you might find someone who has, who checks every technical box, but they're insufferable to be around, right? They're, they're, uh, I actually know some people who have been told that they are too arrogant in the job search and they had to pull that back, right? Whereas most people are too insecure and they need to boost up the confidence, right? And so um, the way you sort of phrase that of like the pendulum being somewhere in the middle, you know, you don't want someone with no social skills and all the technical skills and you don't want someone with all the technical skills and none of the social skills. You need that sort of middle ground. What are some like real examples you've come across when interviewing people where you're like, this person could do the job great, but boy, they're going to be a bad fit on the team. Like, what are some of the red flags that you typically are looking out for? So usually, so usually they come in and they're, um, oh, I know this system. I know this system. And I know everything about dental, you know, um, I've ran an office. I've done these treatment, except, you know, I, I know how to do a financial presentation in front of a patient. All, all the boxes, check, check, check. Oh, this is great. This is great. This is great. Right. Um, and then you start asking questions about team members. How do you get along with team members? What do you guys, you know, what do you do to uh, foster relationships amongst your team? Um, and, and the questions that start coming about where it's like, well, you know, nobody works as hard as me in the office. That's why I left. Or, um, it was hard for me to foster relationships because, oh man, I just did everything at the office. Yeah, it's over. Like there is, it's, we're not even going past that, uh, anymore. And in, in, into a, so that's like a dead, dead on right there. Um, a dead on right there is, is when somebody starts asking about, um, how much they're going to make before, they start asking about the culture of the organization. That just means that they're just, you know, price driven and, um, you know, 51%, I don't know if you saw this stat, but it's estimated that 51% of the nation is going to change jobs in the next two years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we're, I mean, I see it everywhere, you know, people come in and it's because the workforce is out there. They're hearing, Oh my gosh, my friend just went and got another job and they got paid $3 an hour or more, $4 an hour or more, you know, like, cause everybody's desperate. Everybody's throwing money. Everybody's like, man, I got to switch. I got to switch. Um, mark my words. Okay. It is in 2024, the key thing that everybody's going to be going and training and, and it's culture, right? Like how do you grow culture in a practice? How do you do everything? Well, I first thing, don't let goofballs into your culture. Right. And that's what they're doing. They're just throwing money because everybody's desperate and goofballs are coming into the culture. And it's not like those goofballs go, you know what? I really love this place, man. They're really cool. I'm going to actually change my way and go to the good culture. No, that's not how that happens, man. They ruin your culture. Right. And then you start to think to yourself and you, and you build this company and you build this practice and you, you know, you build all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you start to think to yourself, like, maybe I'm the one that's wrong. Maybe, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. Maybe my expectations are too high and this and that. And that's where a company boom, just dive bombs, right? So granted, we need people to work. We're in a tough situation right now, but everybody better have a mental note right now in their head. Keep it up here, okay? Everybody you hire, that you're hiring, that you're like, I just need a human body, but man, that pendulum might be skill set 
not on the good team member, better be ready to to either correct that right away or I need to hire this once the workforce comes back. I need, might need to rehire this for good people. Right. And that rehiring, right? And I think it's so interesting how you said, you know, the key thing is culture. How do you do it right? And obviously not letting goofballs in is, is the first one. We talked about a few of those red flags. But when you think about culture, you know, in the tech industry, this word has been overused to the point that like no one really knows what the heck they're talking about anymore. Um, and you've got these mission statements that sound like they were made by some marketing team who lives in a bubble, right? And and you see that and you look at, like I look at job descriptions and I'm like, why is 50% of this job description, the company just gushing about how amazing they are? And it's like, because this is an advertisement, this isn't really like, a list of requirements. It's an ad for the company or like an ego boost or something. And I'm curious when you think about culture, like, what is that to you? What does that mean to you? Is it just like, is it just truly the vibe that the people bring in? Is it something that the company has and then people have to fit into like what creates culture or what, what are the foundational elements of culture in your mind? Foundational elements of culture is day-to-day interactions right? Like what you do, that's your culture. Um, anybody that says you could say anything, Oh, this is our culture. doesn't matter. It's what you do on a daily basis that really drives and, and really hones in on what culture is. Um, so you do have to write it down. You know, you do have to have pillars within your company that you have to go by your mantras, right? So uh, we say, like, um, we want everybody to want to work for us, not have to work for us. We build our company based on what our customer wants, not what we want. Um, So when you're making decision making, these mantras and these pillars have to be on the forefront of all the executives and really anybody on their mind. Okay. If it's not, you you could say that's your culture, but it's not. Right. So if we say in the office, hey, listen, we want to make sure that everybody, every, every, every patient that walks out here smiles for everyone, everybody smiles, right? And you don't answer the phone or you don't greet them standing up or you don't call their insurance company to go the extra mile, okay, then you're not, you can say whatever your culture is, it's not going to happen, right? Um, and so I hate when people say, so this is our culture. No, this isn't your culture. Your culture is what you do. Now you could train it, you could preach it, you could say it, but you got to do it. And if you don't do it, then the culture doesn't live and it's gone immediately. I love that. And it's funny how you mentioned like standing up to greet people. I I stopped in at this little boutique uh, grocery store yesterday on the way to a friend's place. And the person never stood up like at the checkout. They never, they just sat in a chair checking people out. And it, it's funny how it, it just, I noticed it. I was like, huh, this place doesn't like really, they, they clearly don't care. Like it's, it's those subtle sort of like subconscious things that people who leave a space go, oh, wow, I want to go back to that. And it's, and I like that you're in such like a, you're in such an interesting industry because it's super technical in the execution of the work, but it's super social in the, you know, relationships that you're building. I I remember like where I bought my glasses, I've been going to that place for 10 plus years because the first time I went there, they spent 
like an extra 30 minutes helping me choose frames. And the person that helped me do that, like doesn't even work there anymore. And I still go to the place. And I've noticed that the yeah. service has decreased since then because it was probably just that one person. But that just goes to show how much one person can impact a culture, can impact uh, the customer retention even of a business. Like I, I only met that person once, but I've been going there for 10 years. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So, so it does worry me. So I, I will say, so my kids, okay. Um, my kids have grown up. I have a, so it's 14, 12, nine. And my kids have grown up in the age of tech, right? Phones, iPads, devices, the whole bit you know, and I've made a conscious effort for them when they're talking to say, look somebody in the eye, like look me in the eye when you're talking, look, look your grandparents in the eye, um, put the phone away and have a conversation, right? Um, it's, it worries me because customer service of what we know, and I worked for Disney, okay, so all my customer service techniques and what we build our company on and, and a lot of customer services based on some of the things that Disney has brought about, plus a lot of other, uh, you know, companies that are real high customer service. And I don't know if our workforce is ready to take on that level of customer service. Our workforce is ready to experience that coverage, customer service. In fact, they demand it, Right very difficult to deliver it, you know, and um, there is nothing that beats human interaction, right? So let's just, just call it what it is. So McDonald's, you know, McDonald's is looking to put 40% of their workforce into computerization. Get rid of 40% of our workforce. Let's go to computerized, checking in, checking out the whole bit. Okay. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, I, it's, it's bad in my sense of people crave human, human interaction, you know, and I think what's going to happen is fine. McDonald's go to computerization. Um, Bobby's burgers down the street that has humans is probably going to go ahead and reap the benefits of that because Bobby's burgers if they can deliver a great customer service, they won't know what to do with all the business, you know? And that's really what we have, what we're, what we're driving towards. Um, but finding those people is becoming more and more difficult, uh, even in the low workforce, even when the workforce is high, it's, it's, it's getting more and more difficult. And they start to make you think like you're crazy for your demands of, of asking for this customer service, right? Like interacting with a team member or a patient and standing up, okay? Um, going the extra mile and calling. Well, doctor, that's kind of a waste of time. I mean, I know what the insurance company is going to say. They're going to say, no, okay, like let's try. The patient wants you to try, right? Like, so it's just, it's, it's going to be tough. I promise you it's going to be tough. And this is going to be a thing that people are going to be talking about. Once the workforce gets back, it's going to be tough. 
And that's the thing. It's a real differentiator if you have that skill. Like I'm someone who grew up with high anxiety, but I also had parents that were like, you better learn how to do this stuff or else like, and you know, eventually you pick up the skill and you're like, it really does make a difference. Like it really does make a difference to be able to do that. Cause like you said, the customer wants you to try, like at least try. And if we've seen anything like I have never been so angry in my life than when I'm on a customer service call with a robot. I've never been more, I've never yelled more expletives than when Alexa doesn't do what I want her to do, right? And like, please don't, talk. it's gonna, it's gonna try and respond right now. But um, like, it, there is like also just a sort of um, reactionary um, experience that people have to robots, to automation, to things like that. Um, that we just don't have with other people as much. I'm sure there's plenty of customer service horror stories out there, but um, there is that sort of need to be able to connect. And that is what builds this sort of ability to maintain not only your customers, but your employees, right? Because no one wants to work at a company where they're always being backstabbed. No one wants to work at a company where they don't feel connected to anyone. And I think that this is gonna be a real issue as like remote work becomes more and more of a thing. I was talking last night to some folks and they were saying like onboarding in a remote world when companies aren't ready for it has been a complete nightmare. Um, I'm pretty used to it because I'm a contractor. So I just get thrown into things willy nilly all the time. But um, you've got an interesting situation where it's, it's in person. It has to be in person, right? So how has like remote work affected you or impacted you or what have been sort of the... Um, employee struggles or hiring struggles you've seen because of it? So, well, I'll start here. Remote, um, when you're preaching and teaching on remote and you're trying to get something across, 10% is probably being absorbed. I'm guessing on that number. I don't have any data, but 10% is my assumption, um, as opposed to 50% when you're live, right? So, it is amazing that you can go through four training episodes and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And then you bring them back in person now that in person is going on. And you're like, we did go over that four times, like over the last four months. And it's, it's just not engaged. They're just mm -hmm. not engaged, you know? Um, and, and so that's a, that's a major issue. So we've seen, okay. So just be pure honesty. We've seen a, a cultural hiccup because we, we, when we onboard somebody, we put them through a course called traditions. So you're going to learn about the company that you're working for. You're going to learn about the history and you're going to learn why it's a great place to work. We're also going to set up the pillars and, and the mantras that we go by. Why? Cause we're, we're not going to say this culture, but we're going to set up culture for the future. We're let, we're laying, we're letting the expectations be no, you know? Um, and, I don't think they're just, they're just not grasping that, right? Because it's, it's not because they're not smart or anything like that. They're brilliant. They're just, it's, it's remote, you know, like, I mean, it's squirrel, <laughs> you know, like, oh, wait, what were they saying? You know, like uh, my dog's barking, you know, like it's, it just, it just happens. It's just the way it is. So um, we, human interaction is key. I'm not saying that you can't succeed without it, or you can't succeed from being virtual. You can't. But if you're trying to grow and build a company that's based on customer service and based on human interaction in the workplace, it remote doesn't work that well, you know? So 
it's it, you, you just have to be aware of that, you know. But my again, my concern is is that we are becoming so used to remote and so used to not that human interaction that what happens to the customer service industry as they go to hire people that are now used to this that's a it's a it's a it's a functional issue that is going to occur right now. It's, a, it's actually occurring right now it's going to become a pandemic for us another pandemic for the customer service industry next year um it's, it's so I, i'm i'm worried about that right um I think it's an easy place to flip around because the customer is going to realize it real quick and the customer is going to be driven to the places that are doing, you know, that are, they're picking it up and doing it really well. I really appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate you saying like, you're worried about it because I think this is something that job seekers don't fully understand either, which is going back to your first story, that desperation on the hiring side. Um, I feel like the way people talk about their careers, especially in the way that like, um, the job search is sort of talked about in the online chat rooms and LinkedIn and stuff like that. It's like, find your passion, find what you want out of your work. Kind of what you said, where people are coming in asking about their pay before they even know about the culture. Right. And it's sort of created this disconnect between what I want as an employee and what the company needs from their employees. And I hear all the, I ask people all the time, like, what is the value that your role brings to a company's bottom line? And 90% of the time they can't answer it. And I'm so curious what your experience has been with that. So this is, this is a true story. I got a great story on this. So we were hiring for a VP. Okay. So, you know, a, a big level position. And um, we always, when we're bringing people through, we ask our poignant questions, but then we want to ask, what's your why? right? What's your why? Why do you come to work? What do you need? What's your step in growth and development? What do you want to achieve? And we write them all down for every team member. And we want to make sure, I said, now me, my job is to make sure that those things on the list continue moving forward, right? That's my job. I'm, I'm here to provide your why or else you're going to go seek it somewhere else. And I don't want you leaving. I said, but our culture, another, another mantra, okay? We're a win-win organization. Okay, I want you to win. But the company has to win too. Okay, If it's a company that just people win and the company doesn't, we're not going to be here much longer. Okay, And therefore, you're not going to be there. So we are people first company. It's like our people systems equal a profitable business. People plus systems. So people first. People will always say, yeah, yeah, but doc, you're worried about the business, so therefore the people aren't first. No, I'm worried about the business because I do care about the people first. Because I go to bed at night thinking I have everybody, I got everybody that relies on this job to put food on their table and everything. So if I don't have a good business, I have a problem, right? So people are first, and they need to understand that. And coming in, it's a win-win situation for the organization, you know. So so I'm, I'm I interview this. Um, this VP and the VP looks at me and he's like, well, why is it a it, it, like questioning me on the fact of a win-win, man, I, I really don't see that. I mean, I need to win. And I said, yeah, exactly. But we also have to have the organization win, right? Now, if I win, I'll make sure the organization wins, right? But I need to win first. And I was like, okay cool. Like that's mentality, 
right? It's a me bubble atmosphere. So uh, again, I always, I tell our recruiters and everything, I said, who can break through the me bubble? Like those that don't have a me bubble around them, that's who we want. We want those people, right? Those that come in and they're in the meat bubble and it's all about themselves, disaster in a team atmosphere, you know, because we're working in teams. In teams, you have me people, we're in trouble. I love the way you phrase that, the me bubble. I've been trying, my whole mission with my company is to get people to go from a them, from a me first mindset to a them first mindset. Like you read a cover letter, it is mind numbing how many I's and me's are in that thing. Oh my gosh. It, it's a, uh, so our main, I actually was, I was just looking for it on our, on our, on our taglines here, but our, um, one of our main core values is altruism. You know, we need others more than they need us. Right. So, um, and that's how you have to, you, you, in a customer service industry and in healthcare, you have to treat that that way. Right. You are the most unimportant person. That's the way it is. Yes. Very, uh, it's, it sounds simple. Sounds simple. Ooh, man, is it tough to execute, right? Because everything in our life has taught us not to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't make a team. My parents went and complained to the coach. Boom, I'm on the team. Um, I didn't get good grades. We're going to go complain to the teacher because we think the teacher stinks. Um I don't like my food. I'm going to complain to the restaurant manager because I want it free, right? Like it's like you see it. It, it happens everywhere. It continues to happen everywhere. Um, and in the reality is it's destroying the team concept and being able to work together concept that America has grown up, you know? Um, and that's, we, we have to, we have to recognize it. If we, we haven't recognized it yet, believe me. In fact, we're probably doubling down on in the other direction, that type of philosophy, you know, the philosophy of, um, everybody wins, everybody's okay. Like don't hurt anybody's feelings and let's move forward. Right. Um, and so we'll have individuals that come in and say, Hey, listen, I, I need to get, you know, after they're hired, you know, Hey, we got a problem. You know, we had an upset patient. I want to coach you through this and help you through this. These are the things that you're doing right, and here's a couple things we're doing wrong, right? Okay. Great conversation. Go back and forth. Put their notice in 24 hours later. Oh, what what happened? Well, you yelled at me. Yelled at me. Oh, my god. What do you mean? I was like, we're coaching you through this. Like, hey, constructive criticism. I'm open book. It's 360 in this company, right? Reviews, 360, like, Come right at me. You got it. You got it's something I did. You let me know, but understanding, like, you know, this is going to happen more often. And uh, they were just like, yeah, I, I don't want to work for a place like that. I want to work for a place that doesn't do that. Okay. Like, we're, we're never going to grow. Like nobody's going to grow. I'm not going to grow and nobody's going to grow. You know, um, it's tough. It's a, it's a workplace. I, I just say that I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up on here because Again, right now, we're just hiring to hire because of the workforce, okay? Once that changes to find out, which is very shortly, in fact, some companies and some of my friends' companies already figured this out. Like, once you start figuring out, like, oh, my God, I, met, I let too many bozos in, 
and now you got to change it back. These are the realities that are going to be occurring in the workforce. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard slap to the face reality, you know, like, Oh my gosh, what, what do you, what do you mean? I can't tell you what days I want to work and what days I don't want to work. What do you, what do you mean? I'm in customer service industry. I'm not working the weekends. Like I need mental health days. What, what do you mean? Like you're not giving me 50 mental health days, you know, like, and I'm all about like days off and recharging and, and helping people and all that stuff. But again, it's gone to a realm because people have to hire that people are doing things, promising crazy stuff that we all know is, is, is not sustainable entrepreneurs, like not sustainable, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Right. Um, and by the way, you put ping pong tables in a room and you give people coffee every day and you put a, you put a snack bar and all those things. Guess how long people love you for that? A minute. Right. Maybe until, until the cashews that you used to put out that they liked, and then you forgot to buy those cashews. And now they're like, I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm pissed. I, it's no longer, I like the snack bar. I wanted my snack. Where, where's my snack? Right? Like it's, it's yeah, how dare you know, how dare you we, take away my little waffles with the caramel in it? How dare you? <laughs> it is. It's but it's but you got to you know what? You 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 have to be humble, right? You, as, if you're growing a company, you got to be humble about it. You got to be like, okay, yeah, let's get those, you know. But understanding like the workforce, you got to understand the workforce if you're going to recruit, you're going to do you got to understand the workforce. And that's the thing that I don't think job seekers understand is it's like these things are intended to be perks, not standards. And they are incentives because these huge tech companies were trying to steal people away from Google, which was giving free lunch, you know, like it's all reactionary. And I think that like, obviously there is, depending on the job, there should be a level of flexibility, right? Or if there's going to be flexibility, you need to take on the risk or the responsibility of some of that flexibility because you need to help the company make sustainable changes. Like, um, you know, I heard this crazy story recently of an entrepreneur who got a text from one of their employees. It, they, they run a big business, hundreds of employees, and uh, or a small business with hundreds of employees. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But um they got a text from one of their employees that said, Hey, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to come in today. I think I'm going to work from home because the Ubers are really expensive. <laughs> and the person was like, wait a second. I recall that the CTA still runs in Chicago. And, and, and the kicker, the icing on this is that this business owner actually pays for everyone in the company to have a free CTA card. So like literally free transportation and you're taking an Uber every day, every day. That's crazy. And like, I heard that story and I was just like, oh my gosh, we are, we have lost touch with reality at some point because like there is this just massive disconnect between what the internet says people should expect from their companies and what companies are actually sustainably able to give. Yeah, maybe if you're Google, you can give free lunches to everyone in all of your companies forever. 
but eventually that money even runs out. But like mom and pop store can't do that. And I think like we have Google expectations on mid-level companies and it's unrealistic. Um, and it's really unfortunate because it's creating this horrible tension between companies and employees that is, you know, building a level of like, I can't believe that on their end and I can't believe that on their end, right? Both have crazy like expectations of each other. I'm curious in your mind, what are some of the unrealistic expectations that companies have for job seekers? Because the job seeking process has gotten more complicated over the past 10 years. Um, even from when I graduated college, um, I noticed that instead of two or three interviews, it's like five or six or seven with take-home assignments and like all these different things. Have you noticed that in in the in your side of things at all? Yeah, I would probably say the the one thing that on my on my side is uh, everybody has to have a skill set, right? Like you you, it, it, I, I want somebody to come in and they have to have expertise in 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 um, what we're hiring for. I'll be honest with you. I think that's crazy, right? I think we pass up some really phenomenal people and some smart people. Um, I, I think sometimes we think too highly of ourselves that the position that we're trying to hire for is like, oh my gosh, only only somebody with experience can have this this job. Come on, like I, I, I've had, you know, I'm in dentistry, and I have people that work for me that's in the salon industry. I have teachers. I have somebody from the restaurant industry. I mean, everyone from all walks of life. And you know what they do? They better the company because they come in with a different outside view and they don't come in with a perceived, uh, a self-perceived perception of what the job should be, you know? And so they think differently and they think out of the box and they usually make the job better. So um, I think the unrealistic expectations of us as people hiring is that we box the people that we want to come in and that we think should be the person that's in the job. I, I hate that. I think it's, it just, it, it bothers me. Yeah. It, it, it totally bothers me. Yeah. And it's tough, right? Like these things kind of become routine and then you're like, dang it, we're in a routine. How do we fix this? And that's where you start thinking about like, you know, new policies, new procedures. One thing that really stood out to me from what you said earlier is that you started out your career with Disney. And I think that what I find so fascinating talking about customer service and all these things is everyone wants really high end customer service, but Anyone who's trying to get a job in customer service doesn't want to give that high end uh, touch, right? And so it's like we expect more from the things that we purchase than what we bring to our job sometimes. And when it comes to Disney, that's one of those companies that delivers on the customer service. You go to Disney, you never see a piece of trash on the ground. It doesn't exist. And they have like all these ways of hiding the trash and like, disposing of it in like secret ways. You know, I, I did their underground tour when I was a kid and like the way that they pipe smells into the park, everything is so meticulous. And um, I even heard about how they sort of, you know, start the day almost Truman style, Truman show style uh, in their parks. And they have such a strong focus on like people who are dedicated to that sort of showing up and, and being that character for the day to make that experience. And I think that there's sort of a fight going on between that way of doing things and the bring your authentic self to the office every day, right? Well, what if my authentic self is a total negative Debbie Downer every morning, right? Like I can't bring that every day, maybe once in a while, but like not every day. 
right? And so I'm curious, what were some of the things that you learned from Disney that have really stuck with you over the years? Well, what's interesting with Disney is, is first of all, they, they want you to bring yourself, right? But it's the self is described around a certain expectation. And that's what Disney is really, really great at. They set an expectation of what they want you to do, okay? They also understand what's really great is, is that ultimately the customer needs to be happy, okay? So middle management for Disney is, is given the decision-making power and the freedom all the way down to the person that's checking somebody out to give the decision-making power back to the person that's in front of the customer, okay? So it empowers team members to feel real great when they're being able to make a difference for somebody right in front of them. Starbucks does that. Apple does that. Um, Disney, you know, so on and so forth. So the companies that can bring decision-making power into the hands of the people that are in front of the customer, um, it, it goes really, really well, okay? Uh, you need to set the expectations to what you want to achieve in the beginning, you know, and you got to get Yahoo's out of there immediately that are bringing down the culture, um, you know, and, and not doing what you want them to do. And that's what I learned from Disney. Okay. I, and, and I'm at fault at this as an entrepreneur, right? I'm one of those people that's kind of like, well, maybe I'm expecting just a little too much, right? Like, yeah, okay. They don't stand up to greet the patient. Okay. I'm expecting too much, you know, and you make excuses for yourself in order for you not to have to fire people, rehire all the things that are, that are bad. Right. Um, you don't want a bad review. You don't want to do any of those things. But if you look at Disney and you Google them, they probably have as many bad reviews. They have good reviews, mm-hmm. right? What, what's the difference? Their team members that like working for them are a hell of a lot louder than the ones that are pissed off. Mm. Okay. Why? Because they're happy, way, way happy in their job and they enjoy it. Okay. They don't let Yahoo's bring them down. They let the Yahoo's scream and yell and be like, I didn't like working for Disney. I didn't make any money. And uh, I, you know, whatever it is, but the people that are working there love it because they want that culture. Right. So this is what I mean. Going back to the beginning of our conversation, like set in line in the sand and don't go by it. You know, don't go backwards on it when you're hiring, you know, and when you're, when you're interviewing, if it's a culture that you're like, I don't think I'm going to fit in. Don't take the job. It's not going to work. I don't care if they're paying you $50 more an hour than you're getting somewhere else. It's not going to work. Okay. So it's, if somebody is uh, used to working at uh, O'Hare airport, you know, and, and the janitorial team where, I don't know, throwing gum on the floor. Like, you know, the, I, I walk through there all the time. I think the answer is try to pick up at least 50% of it, <laughs> right? Like, don't like, if you can get 50% of the gum off the floor, good job. Right. In Disney, it's kind of, it, the answer is zero. We want zero gum spots. And if there's gum spots, you guys got a problem, right? Okay. If that expectation is being set and you're kind of like, eh, I don't know. All right, they can't be really serious. Maybe 25% I'll do, but not gonna not gonna work, you know. So it's setting those expectations that I learned. 
um, having them written down, getting them to understand that. That's why we bring them through a traditions course and those type of things to find that out. I love it. I love it. And I think the main takeaway here is don't be a bozo <laughs> and get rid of bozos, right? <laughs> no more yahoos in these places. That's right. Um, I right. really, tough yeah. now, tough now. Yeah, it's hard to do, easy to say hard to do, but um, I really appreciate everything that you're sharing here because I think it's a perspective that is just, it's it's almost like there's a conversation happening with job seekers and a conversation happening with business owners and neither can see into each other's bubbles. And that's what I'm trying to do is just sort of pop those a little bit so that people can get some insight because yeah. it really like when I've, whenever I ask a job seeker, like, how do you help a business? Like their answers are just empty. They have no idea that like, I solve problems. And it's like, well, so do dog walkers, but like, what problem do you solve? Right. And so if there was like one piece of advice that you could give to someone to like better understand how a company works, what, what would you say to them? So this is my final thing that I would say. Understand the company's why and understand your own why and make sure they blend together. Okay. So um, it, you cannot go into anything without a win-win relationship. That's it. So when you say like you have employers and employees and it just doesn't seem like they're meshing together, the mesh has to be is tell me what your why is. Tell me why you want to do this. Tell me what you want to accomplish. Cool. I got to promise you as your employer that I'm going to help you with that. And I got to deliver on that. But I'm going to let you know what we built, what we grew, and my expectations on winning for the company. And if we can both agree to that, man, this relationship is going to, we're going to hit home runs. That's it. I love it. AJ, how can people find out more about what you're up to these days? Uh, so uh, decision1dental.com. So decision1dental.com. Um, that's the company my brother and I grew. I'm also the CEO of uh, Smile Brands, our partners in uh, Smile Brands, which is uh, an awesome company that has won multiple, multiple awards in, in diversity and um, in leadership and, and all that. So uh, great places to work. So uh, Smile Brands, uh, Decision One Dental, um, you know, on Facebook, I'm on there. Uh, so uh, just AJ Cerno and, you know, anything that I could do for anybody to help them through this, I think it's awesome. Um, you know what? I'm just happy that people are actually out there looking for work. This is awesome. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.